Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man, Jesus Christ, have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed, thee, showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he capital H, in reference to Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Father, we are glad to be able to work in this phenomenal rationale concerning the better, more excellent ministry of Jesus Christ in comparison to anything that has ever been or will be. It also will be, indeed, our understanding to be informed of the unique distinction between the covenant under the law and the covenant in the Lord, the covenant in the Lord under which we know you, praise you, thank you, adore you, worship you on this day. We pray then that you would grant to us the understanding of the text for the benefit of our souls. We know, even as we begin, that the point is initially and perpetually clear, and that is that the Lord Jesus is indeed all it and that our faith, our confidence, our hope, our love is righteously directed towards him. And on that basis, we come to you in prayer. On that basis, we quiet our hearts before you and ask that the Spirit of God would be our teacher in this second hour as we consider the truth of him as is wonderfully presented in the text. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. You know that the Lord is presented in Scripture as the King of all kings, the prophet of all prophets, and the priest of all priests. The person and work of Jesus the Christ is understood and better known 
because of those Old Testament Jewish offices of prophet, priest, and king. Hebrews 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 develop the idea of Christ as the capital P, priest, the priest of all priests. Indeed, the high priest that is greater than all Jewish high priests. The operation of Christ as our great high priest involves not only representation of us, but administration of us. Those two words become important. Christ as our high priest represents us. Christ as our high priest administrates on our behalf. Last week, before the Lord's table, we spoke of the fact that in this section of Hebrews, you have uh, the address of the reality of exactly what the Lord did at the cross and exactly what the Lord now does. This passage uniquely brings together uh, what the Lord did, his once-for-all sacrifice, with what the Lord does. And that connects to that word, administration. The Lord not only is our representation in heaven, but he is the administrator of all things in relationship to God on our behalf. Hebrews 8 begins to uniquely then work with those facets of our understanding what the Lord did and what the Lord does. Some years ago, Somebody came up with a little catch statement and uh, emphasized the aspect that we would somehow be benefited if we asked the question, what would Jesus do? Well, Hebrews 8 would convince us that more important than what would Jesus do is what did Jesus do? And more important than what would Jesus do is what Jesus does do now. In other words, the currency of the Lord's ministry. His priestly work representing those of us that believe flows out administratively from his one-time sacrifice on the cross and the perpetuation of spiritual offerings. Here's the thing Baptist people like us know very, very little about, the perpetuation of the Lord's perpetual offerings on our behalf. Look at verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man, God the Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, have somewhat also to offer. Verse 3 is the plain truth of priestly work under the law and the superior priestly work of the Lord going on right now. Old Testament high priests offered gifts and sacrifices. The Old Testament worshipers could not approach God directly, ever, but they had to go through the mediating priest who was appointed them. You and I are so familiar with the fact that we have in Christ 
open access to God directly that we are inclined to forget that our access, our open access, is only possible because we are in Christ. So in that sense, not directly. I do not go to God in my own name, nor should you go in yours. I go to God in the name of Christ. And there's more than just me showing up and stating his name. Hebrews 8 tells us of the Lord's actual high priestly work, representing us with his one-time sacrificial blood and administrating for us before God. It's something we just don't think about very much. We must be careful to attend to the often understated and connected truth that our access to God is only because of what Christ did and, and what Christ does right now as our high priest in the Father's presence. As we said last week, uh, Baptists of our stripe are quite healthy in their understanding of the done of Christ, but not so healthy concerning their understanding of the doing of Christ. Using the Old Testament Jewish high priest as a point of comparison, verse 3 declares that this man, Jesus Christ, must of necessity have somewhat also to offer before the throne of God the Father. That becomes the drive, then, of our understanding and grasp of this text. We're looking at what the Lord offers on our behalf. And it really is a mind-stirring thing to think about. Now, last week at the Lord's table, I introduced you to two key words from the first verse, some and such. And I'm going to come back to those, so I'll give them to you again. Verse 1, some and such, important words. Verse 3, I want to emphasize the words service and sacrifice. From verse 3, just read, I want to emphasize again the idea of service and sacrifice. And then from verse 5, I want to emphasize the words shadow and substance. Now those words will be represented in the flow of those verses, but again, the outline, which is not printed for you today, just auxiliary material printed today, but the outline is some such service, sacrifice, shadow, substance. I'm going to start in verse 5 with a shadow substance. I'm taking the list in reverse order. I want you to think first with me now about the shadow and the substance, or if you will, the shadow and its object. Verse 5 tells us that the priestly service under the law is a, quote, shadow of heavenly things. See it? who serve unto the example and shadow. The earthly high priest serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. They are not the object. They are the shadow of the object. All of the Old Testament priesthood shadows the object. And, of course, you know who is the object. 
Christ. But nonetheless, who serve, those priests serve. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the first two words of verse 5, who serve, is that that describes a present tense actuality in the day in which this book was written. Could I say today, priests who serve? No. I would have to say, priests who served, E-D on the end. But when the writer of Hebrews writes, he talks about priests who are serving. What does that tell me? Well, it tells me that Hebrews was written before 70 A.D. How do you get there? Well, the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And until the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., the shadow of the priesthood continued to operate on the earth. And so as a result of that, we know that Hebrews had to be written before uh, the priesthood was no more on the earth, which was 70 A.D., which helps us to date the book. This is the first reference in the book of Hebrews. There'll be uh, two or three more in which uh, the currency of the priesthood in operation of the day in which it was written allows us to have a better understanding of when the book was written. And you have that reality at the beginning of verse 5. Who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things. The tabernacle itself, and later the temple, and the many facets of priestly ritual service are, according to verse 5, the shadow of heavenly substance or heavenly reality. The Apostle Paul said a similar thing and complimentary thing to the Colossians when speaking about the Jewish holiday schedule or the holidays of God. And I would remind you that you and I are people in which God has given us no holidays. All the holidays of God are Jewish holidays. Nonetheless, Paul, speaking of the Jewish holidays of God, Paul said, let no man judge you in the ritual use of food and drink or in respect to a holiday, a Jewish holiday, which are, quote, a shadow of things to come, but the body or substance is of Christ, Colossians 2.17. What did Paul say? Paul said that that elaborate seven-fold holiday system implemented uh, by Moses in the days of Sinai, uh, telling the story of the Exodus, telling the story of the Jewish people, regulating their agriculture, regulating their worship, regulating their devotion to God, on the calendar, that that entire seven-part holiday schedule was simply a foreshadowing of the reality that now is revealed in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.17. Now, in a way very similar to that, uh, Hebrews 8 is causing us to think about what was and what is, what was and what is, what was, as foreshadowing what is. This is why in verse 2 that we are told that Christ, the functioning minister, is a functioning minister of the true tabernacle, the one that was pitched by God, not the one that was pitched or built by men on earth under Moses or under the dictates of the law. 
Now, this idea of shadow and substance is, infirm, is informed further in verse 5 by the words example and pattern. Again, look at verse 5. Who serve, talking about Jewish priests serving, unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, said God to Moses, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee on the Mount Sinai. So verse 5 uses three words to describe what was. And the three words in verse 5 used to describe what, what, that which was, uh, as reflected under the law, the Jewish priestly ministry under the law, are the words shadow, and the words example, and the word pattern. The Old Testament priest served as an example or sign or symbol of what is now revealed in Christ. The word example has the idea of that which is a representative sign or that which symbolizes, we would use the modern English word, icon. Uh, that uh, uh, the uh, tabernacle built by Moses was a, a symbol, was a, an icon of, uh, uh, of uh, that which is now revealed in the person of Christ. The entire Old Testament structure and system that was appointed by God through Moses was a pattern, Greek word, tupos, comes into English as type, that the tabernacle and the, and the Jewish system under the law was a type of the reality now known in Jesus Christ. So the tabernacle is a type of Christ. When John the Apostle wants to introduce us to Christ, in his gospel uh, uh, account, he says that uh, we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, and that that one who is come of the Father dwelt among men. And the word dwelt is the word tabernacled. Because Christ is not the shadow of God in a body. He is God in a body. And so it really underscores the reality of the thing we're being told here concerning type and anti-type. And anti-type doesn't mean against the type. It means the fulfillment of the type. The type is the tabernacle. The type is the Old Testament Jewish ritual. The type is the Old Testament Jewish high priest. The anti-type is Christ, Christ, and Christ. We also see the particular emphasis is made in this text of a comparison between, verse 3, the service of the priest and the sacrifices offered under the law and the service and the sacrifice offered by our high priest, Jesus Christ. His once and for all sacrifice is the basis of our standing and open access to God, to the throne of God. He offers our gifts accordingly. Again, back to verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. What does the priest do? He offers gifts and sacrifices. How would we describe the sacrifices of the Old Testament priests? Well, they were bloody and many. 
And what about those gifts? Well, there were offerings that were brought to the priest to present as unto the Lord, and the offerings that were brought were not bloody. They were things like grains and cakes and commodities like oil and farm goods and fruits. And they were brought as uh, expressions of thanksgiving to God and uh, dedication to God and desire for the fellowship of God. And so the priesthood in the Old Testament aura not only attended to animal bloody sacrifices, but they also attended to the aspect of presenting gifts to God. And now we're told in verse 3 that uh, that was the work of the high priest Old Testament to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, says the verse, it is of necessity that this man, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, have somewhat to offer. What does the Lord Jesus have to offer? Well, first of all, he offers his one-time bloody sacrifice. And then he offers whatever flows out of our heart of thanksgiving and dedication and desire of fellowship with God. You come to a worship hour like this, asleep! You present the Lord nothing with which to present on your behalf before the throne of God. Christ is your representative. You may take great comfort in his one-time bloody sacrifice. But really now, you ought to give the Lord some gifts. You ought to now evidence something of your own thankful heart, of your own dedication of life, of your own willingness to commit to the fellowship of the saints, to the glory of God in a place. And that's what the Lord Jesus administrates before the throne room of God, up there, while you and I are in here. Here we are, singing. I hope you were. Not because we would shame you, but because that's how you make your contribution to the glory of God in this moment of time. And you can be sure that you have a high priest in heaven who not only represents you before the throne of God, but administrates. May, I, may you forgive me as I put words in the mouth of the Lord Jesus as he says, Oh, Father. Listen to those crazy people in El Tos sing, and can it be? Listen to them sing with even greater understanding that you, uh, uh, that you sent me and that I emptied myself uh, not of everything but love. I was still God. I was still great. I was still good. I was still omnipresent. I was still omniscient. I was still omnipotent. But I emptied myself for love's sake. I gave myself at the cross of Calvary. Oh, Father, listen to those people in Alto singing about that. Now, some of you might want another opportunity to sing that song right now. 
and we're not going to give it to you now. But when you come next week, you ought to be prepared to worship God because everything we do in this place that's right and good before God is what the Lord Jesus has to work with before the throne of God on our behalf. I am represented in heaven by Christ. He not only represents me, he administers my gift. Not just talking about the offering plate, although you can get there. We're talking about a heart of worship bent towards God. There is not a lot of giving in Baptist churches these days. And I am not talking about money. And it is a crying shame of our adversary that the word stewardship has come to mean little except money in a plate. For many of the people that worship the Lord God the best don't have enough to rub two pennies together. But oh, how their hearts burn for God. And when they sing, they sing as if they mean it. And when they read scripture, they read it as those that believe it. And when they pray, they pray with the intensity of a people that indeed are persuaded of God's promises and persuaded of God's commands and persuaded of God's threatenings. All oh, that we would bring our gifts to God that they might be presented by our excellent minister, our Lord Jesus, who has a more excellent ministry, are the words in verse 6. And uh, wow, that's the truth of it. Again, the point of this entire passage is that Christ is a far better minister, a far better mediator than what the world has ever known before him or after. He is such a high priest. So as to present and represent us before the throne of God and to work the work of the high priest in administrating the gifts of our thanksgiving, administrating the gifts of our commitments to fellowship with God, administering the aspect of the gifts of our dedication is unto the Lord. That's something we don't think about very much. We just don't think about that very much. We just don't think about that very much. But our Lord, our high priest, presents our offerings, our offerings of thanksgiving and dedication, our prayers of praise and petition before the Holy Father. Jesus is indeed active right now in praying for us, chapter 7, verse 25. And according to chapter 8 and verse 3, he is indeed active presenting our offerings, our gifts of thanksgiving and praise to the Father. It may well sound negative, but the truth is, you cannot even praise God apart from 
the active high priestly ministry of Jesus on your behalf. You can say nothing. You can give nothing. You can provide nothing to him who needs nothing, who has it all, the Almighty. You can't build a house too big for him. He cannot be contained. He cannot be controlled. He cannot be added to. And you and I would dare to say we do things for him? Never! Oh, what we do, we must do in cooperation with the Spirit of God as laborers together with God. Knowing we have a high priest who takes every sincere thanksgiving, every sincere praise, whether you can sing on tune or not, every, every sincere heart direction towards the Lord, and administers that before the throne of God to the glory of God. What a Savior you and I have in Jesus Christ. Back to verse 1. He is indeed such a high priest. I want to come back to those couplets of words, some and such, in verse 1 for just a moment. The Greek word translated such. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum we have such a high priest. The word such almost sounds like the car brand Toyota. The Greek word is Toyotos. And so uh, you hear you're learning about the drive of Toyotos. Uh, that is the word that emphasizes the idea of the, of the kind of a thing or the sort of the thing. It's saying that Christ is the kind or the sort of a high priest as is beautifully depicted right here in our text. The sum of the writer's develop point, verse 1, is furthered now in application to Christ. Uh, the word sum is the Greek word for head or chief, and Christ is the head or chief kind, or he's the, uh, uh, the head sort, or the ultimate sort of high priest. He is the summit high priest. He is in a better position, for he is in heaven itself. He is of a better order, Melchizedekin, you recall. He has a better priestly ministry, verse 6, and is far better mediator than anyone in comparison. The superiority of Jesus, our high priest, will be further understood and known by his superior covenant. And the reason why we printed Jeremiah 31 for you and uh, Luke 22 for you today is to whet your appetite for that which is coming right now, immediately next, on the heels of this thing, as verse 6 says, But now hath he, Jesus Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry, which is described it, by how much also he is the mediator of a better testament, a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. There is an old covenant. There is an old testament. And there is a new testament or a new covenant. The old covenant was a covenant that was facilitated by priests. 
and they attended to the sacrifices and the gifts of that covenant. But now we have a new covenant, and we have a more excellent minister and a far better mediator who operates on the basis of his one-time sacrifice for sin, one bloody sacrifice, and the countless thousands of praises and thanksgivings and accolations and dedications and commitments and desires expressed for fellowship with God for 2,000 years of the church on earth, all administered by the Lord Jesus Christ. He did for the people of yesteryears the very thing he does for us this morning. Represents us and administers our gifts that we desire to present to God. Just as we quote John 14, 6 concerning salvation, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. So he is the only way to the Father for praise. The only way to the Father for petition. He is the exclusive way of salvation. And he is the exclusive way of sanctification. He is the perfect representative of those who believe in his name. And he is the perfect administrator. If you'll bring your dinky gift to God, you can be sure of this. He'll know what to do with it. You ever have a little kid come and give you something that they, they were stirred to give you because they, they are stirred because of something you said or something you did, and, and they give it to you as a gift, and you look at it, and you think, I don't even know what I'm going to do with that thing. But you say to the kid, well, well thank you. I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I never thought I needed a bug today, but I'm glad for one. Yeah. Yeah, you wanted, and just the wings. You just want me to have the wings. Eh? You gave me just the wings. Just the wings of a bug. Just the wings of a bug. And so the kid goes away and just, <laughs> give me the wings of a bug. How could I administrate the wings of a dove or the wings of a bug or the wings of a bug as it relates to a heartful thing uh, for the benefit of that child? I don't even know how. But when I bring to the Lord Jesus... Lord, all I got is wings of a bug. But I want you to have it. I, I am what I am. I give it to you. I sing the way I sing, but I'm singing for you. I read the way I read, but I'm reading for you. I pray the way I pray, but I'm praying to you. You can be sure of this. You have a Lord in heaven who takes whatever you bring to him and administrates it in such a way that God is glorified and you are benefited for the bringing. Wouldn't it be something special if in the fall of 2022 there really was an engathering of gifts for God at the First Baptist Church of Elton? quite a thing to pray about. Father, help us in our understanding. Help us in our personal response. And help us when we do bring to you the honest desires of our heart 
to worship you, to praise you, to adore you, to honor you, and to grow ourselves in integrity and consistency. Oh God, facilitate these puny little gifts to thy glory. In Christ, we pray. Amen.